Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Hello, everyone. This is Father Eric Tejas, the pastor of St. Patrick's Catholic Community in Scottsdale, Arizona. And welcome to our broadcast of the Catholic Mass. This for the fifth Sunday of our Lenten season. Our parish theme is grounded in prayer and in mission. And at this time, we know prayer is on the forefront of our thinking. But also, the mission of the church continues. Not only through this broadcast, but in the way that we reach out to people to check on one another, to continue the mission of preaching the gospel and the kingdom of God. So that hasn't stopped, and we continue to do that. Thank you for all the great comments that we receive regarding our video mass. As of now, we've had over 5,400 views of people. Many people just being able to check in and watch and know that they feel grounded in the midst of a time that really challenges us to feel somewhat normal or we're struggling with fear and anxiety or concern. And the Mass can help us be grounded in prayer, but also to know in mission and how we live our life. Again, thank you for joining us as we now continue our Mass. One of the things we do at St. Patrick's is we allow people to pause for a moment after greeting each other. And that way we can center ourselves to know that it's public prayer. The word liturgy from the Greek means the people's work. And it's work to get to Mass. It's work in praising God for the common good. And so let's just pause for a moment and prepare ourselves to celebrate well these sacred mysteries. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. I ran across something this past week that said, I want to ask for forgiveness for hurting you during my time that I was hurting. Isn't that interesting that you and I sometimes experience hurt from other people, acts that offend us and hurt us and wound us, and a lot of times it's because people are fearful and wounded themselves. And so I think as we think about this time of asking for forgiveness, let's think about the times that in our own hurting, in our own worry and anxiety, that we've kind of hurt people and aren't aware of it. Let us ask God to help us see those times that we can ask for forgiveness and bring about healing and peace. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sin, and bring us all to everlasting life. Amen. Christ, <laughs> Christ, 
Let us pray. Gathering all our prayers into one. By your help we beseech you, Lord our God. May we walk eagerly in that same charity with which, out of love for the world, your Son handed himself over to death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And let us now be attentive to God's Word. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them, O my people. I will put my spirit in you that you may live, and I will settle you upon your land. Thus you shall know that I am the Lord. I have promised, and I will do it, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. of redemption with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice in supplication. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and the fullness of redemption. I trust in the Lord. My soul trusts in His Word. My soul waits for the Lord more than sentinels wait for the dawn. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. For with the Lord there is kindness, and with Him is plenteous redemption. And He will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. 
With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit. If only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also, through his spirit dwelling in you. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now a man was ill, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back to them? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to wake him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died. And I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. 
So Thomas called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus already had been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he went out to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, he went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were there with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, sir, come, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone laid across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He's been in there for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out, cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. 
So Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what had, he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to, to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. When we knew that this day might come where we would have to videotape our masses, I reminded parishioners that probably their greatest fulfillment of dream has come true, that they are able to fast forward the homily that really is not that good. So I hope you listen through the whole thing. But I also encourage you to please pray along with the Mass as well, that afterwards that you still continue on, that even though we're not there physically to receive the body and blood of Christ, God's grace is not held captive by the limitation of human seeing. And so just as you pray along with us, the Mass is being prayed all throughout the world. So I hope that you enter into it, not just participating and watching and saying, oh, that's nice, but that your prayers are asked to be part of that. And God's grace breaks through and is able to give you the grace. It isn't just limited in a church building or just in church rituals. Our church teaches that, that it also happens in many ways and through many many opportunities. So I thank you ahead of time for that. There's a phrase that we all have either used ourselves or heard from one another. When someone comes up to us and says, well, I got some good news and bad news for you. Which one do you want first? For me, when I hear that, the first thing is, I'd rather have the bad first because let's deal with that and then we can end it up on a good point. For others, they'd rather hear the good news first and then have to deal with the bad later. And you know, this is what's happening in today's gospel. For Christians and for the entire world, there's some good news and some bad news that happens here. Remember, John is decades after Jesus' resurrection. And in his community, they are dealing with issues. John, in the gospel, uses what are called signs. These are things that help promote faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes those signs inspire faith, and sometimes they call that into question, and it doesn't help Jesus. Today, the friend Lazarus of Jesus is ill. And it not it interesting that Jesus, who's supposed to be a friend of his, is told, Lazarus is ill, quick, come, he needs you. That he doesn't leave right away. In fact, he spends extra days where he's at, and finally he comes. And what is that all about? Jesus is preparing us, and through John's gospel, that in the ancient Mediterranean world, after the fourth day, there really is no hope to resuscitate the body. People could have either fall asleep or be in a coma, and somehow a miracle would happen. But knowing that it was the fourth day, there is no question amongst the people that Lazarus is dead. And that if he comes back to life, somehow it's an act of God. He meets Martha along the way, just before entering into the village. And Martha speaks on behalf of every Christian at that time, including us today. Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you've talked about eternal life, but why do we have to die? 
That doesn't make any sense. You're talking about eternal life, and yet we have to die because we still believe in you? He asked that, or rather she asked that for every person on the face of the earth. If God is so loving, if God is so good, if God wants to give us the fullness of life, why does he allow death? Why didn't he change that? Well, I think what we can gather in Lazarus' death is that Jesus knows that there really isn't an ability to resuscitate a corpse. Because really what they're asking is, just make things normal the way they were. We are familiar with our life. We're familiar with our human bodies. We're familiar with living on earth here. And just restore back so that we can live. But Jesus is not offering that. Isn't it interesting that he himself will also experience death? But death leads to something that's transcendent, eternal life. In John's gospel, whenever Jesus talks about life, for John, that means eternal life. It isn't just restoring the life of our bodies already, but it transcends it, and it's called transformation. What limits us, then, is our lack of belief in Jesus, of saying, Jesus, restore back what we're already familiar with. Bring back to life the people that have died physically. And that is so limiting. Take, for example, people who don't believe in resurrection. I hear this quite often in, in talking with different people that life, this is just it. Once you die, there's nothing there. Wow. So that's all. We limit ourselves that there's no eternal life, that Jesus himself or God can't offer a life that transcends death. Doesn't God have power over death? Here's the other thing is that Jesus has entered fully in humanity. And I love that verse, the shortest verse in the scriptures. Jesus wept. He knows grief. Remember, Jesus lives in the ancient Mediterranean world where children died at a very early age in large numbers. Death was very common. And we know that Jesus, I'm sure, attended many burials. Death was not foreign to him. And so he weeps along with us. But notice when Jesus is confronted about that, Jesus doesn't say, um, God, Martha, that's a great question. Uh, maybe I need to talk to God the Father about that. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know how to tell you that. Or, uh, ooh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, why do people die? Why do children die? I, I don't know. Jesus doesn't do that. For some strange reason, he goes, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? It is something that transcends what our bodies are now. In other words, if we're going to have faith and believe in God, we have to dream. We have to trust. We have to look beyond just what's here. So now in our world, in our country, as we're offering our prayers, God, bring back to normal what is. is. Bring back the economy the way it was. That, that's important to us. People are worried. In, they don't know what the future is like. Make that happen again. Make things normal, what we are used to, what we're familiar with, what we can touch and see. And that is so limiting. And that's why Easter would make no sense to us. And that's why the scripture makes no sense to us. 
Because we're so limited in knowing that death is the end. Why should it happen? It's not wrong to grieve. That shows how much we love. But it's not right that we don't trust that God offers more life. And so, as we're going through this difficult time in our country and in our world, are we so afraid? Are we so afraid that we just want God to restore the corpse that's here right now? Make things normal? Make it just go away? God, we do want healing and all, but what are we learning in this transformation? What's going to be different about us? Because let me tell you, we will get through this. We will, but it's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. One of the things that we're going to begin to reflect on right now, because it's very scary, there's a number of people who are struggling for the common good. They're not affected. They feel invincible. They're immune. It's only going to happen to a certain group of people, and really, the certain group of people they're identified aren't productive. They're not helpful. They really kind of just take. All that experience, all that wisdom. And some people are tempted to treat the elderly and the vulnerable as just cases that you just weigh us down. That is not life. That is not being pro-life. Every life matters. And this is our time to put that into practice as well. To look beyond just resuscitating Things that we're familiar with. God, we love the economy the way it was. We love the way we are Americans. We love our individualism. We love our personal freedom. But we just don't like being quarantined. We don't like to be told what to do. We're going crazy in the house. And yet, real transformation is happening right now. Again, as we talked about, families are eating together. Families are learning to deal with one another. I love what Scripture says. Bear with one another. That's what love entails. That's what love calls us to do as well. But also, there are more people that are showing genuine love and charity. Just remember in the news, bad news sells. It gets your attention. And even we in the church can use bad news to get you to do something because you and I are so overwhelmed with information that we've got to say something dramatic, something big, something to scare you and fear you because you're not paying attention. And even we as a church can be lost in that. But you have to know that there are more good people doing good things. Let's pray for the medical people. That day is coming in other parts of the country, and it's arrived in other parts already, that they are going to lay down their lives for us in some way, sacrificing their family life and their own personal life right now. That's coming. Are we willing to do the same? Or are we just saying, Jesus, if you would have been here and answered our question, none of this would have ever happened. And Martha reminds us when she says, I have come to believe that you are the resurrection and the life, that there's more than just restoring the economy. There's a new way to live, a new being, a transformation of loving God and neighbor in powerful ways. This is what we're being invited to. And if we say no, then how can we know the Savior? Easter means nothing to us. 
but Easter will. If we look beyond just the immediate and solve the immediate problem, but look at what's going to change in us, what's going to transform, what will be different. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 